Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Out of the gates, ready to go. Outkick 360 is back in a big show today from 6th and Peabody with Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine with Chad Withrow and Paul Koharski. I'm Jonathan Hutton. The first college football playoff rankings have been released. A lot of discussion to be had with the top four teams and the first two out. Aaron Rodgers also out this week as the Packers take on Kansas City. Adrian Peterson has debuted with the Titans during practice. Primary complaint is just around the corner and much more. Hit us up on Twitter at Outkick360. You can interact with us throughout the day. Gentlemen, we say good afternoon. And the Atlanta Braves, the Atlanta Braves are World Series champions. Chad Withrow, congrats. Your thoughts. Here are my thoughts. <laughs> Chad unveiling the the Atlanta Braves t-shirt. He he had a jacket on and now the the Braves t-shirt is out. Congratulations, oh. man. Look, Jeff Passan tried to cancel the Tomahawk chop. <laughs> Rob Manfred successfully canceled the All-Star game in Atlanta. The grass in Miami or turf or whatever the hell they play on in that terrible park in Miami tried to cancel Ronald Acuña's leg <laughs> successfully. Um, Mike Soroka's Achilles tendon was canceled earlier in the year. Charlie Morton's tibula was canceled in game one of the World Series. And all my Atlanta Braves did was continue to show that you cannot cancel this Atlanta Braves team. They are uncancelable. They are world champions. I have not liked it. Let's face it. There's not been a lot of championship teams in my lifetime, so I'm really enjoying this. This is one of my favorite championship teams of all time because this was a GM in Alex Anthopoulos who, when even I at the All-Star break was saying, sell, sell, sell. Resign Freddie Freeman. Get rid of everyone else that's on an expiring contract. Build up for next year when you get some young guys coming up, when you get all your players back. Maybe the Ozuna mess is, is over with at that point. And instead... He said, I believe in this team. This team believes in each other. We are going to buy Eddie Rosario, Jorge Soler, World Series MVP, Jorge Soler. And the list goes on. Adam Duvall, Jock Peterson, who had a great series against the Milwaukee Brewers. And the Braves go on to win the World Series. Boys, I'm pumped. To say I'm pumped is an understatement. Congrats. Even if you. you don't like them, as I don't, very much. It's hard not to respect what they did how they went about doing it. Um, I think they are now Hutton kind of the poster boy. Uh, listen, most recent is always most obvious, most memorable, but I haven't looked for a list and I don't know who would, uh, who else would be on the list of like overcoming major losses, reconstructing yourself for the moment. 
and not just making a run, but getting the golden ring. And so to me, they, they are at or at the very top of the list of teams that did that and are going to be probably to the demise of many teams, the rationale for going for it, probably for teams that shouldn't go for it. Well, I, I'm, it makes me reevaluate my line of thinking on when you should buy or sell at the trade deadline. I mean, there, there was no reason to buy into the Braves at the trade deadline. And what they did past August 1st in the run that they went on and then who they had to go through to win the world championship is remarkable. And who they did it with and more importantly, who they did it without. Uh, losing the best player in Acuna and at that point thinking, okay, that there's no chance that they're pulling this off without him. And then the moves that they made at the trade deadline where the pieces fit. It's amazing to me across all sports, but especially in baseball, what just a relocation can mean for a player's confidence and mentality. And J.P. and Sibia will join us coming up in the second hour today in studio. Former MLB catcher, Marlins broadcaster. Um, he'll, he'll join us here in Nashville. I'm going to get his thoughts on just what a trade can mean for uh, a player's boost. And, and, and that's, what they, that's what they received. But Jorge Soler last night with the bomb of all bombs. And like stare down to the dugout. And Dude, I that is an all-time awesome I mean, home just run. Just crushed. Heart, heart lifting. The old women in the stadium were crying based on that bomb. That I mean, th thing that's was how destroyed. Th that was soul-crushing. Destroyed, that home run. I mean, I, obviously, I, I felt like it was over on that one. And I know that's weird to say when the Braves had a grand slam to open game five oh, and lost over. nine to five. But it just tell. felt like that that's all they needed. That's all Max Freed needed. Speaking of everything, you know, crazy that happened, I mentioned Charlie Morton with a broken fibula. I, I thought Max Freed was done uh, the way his ankle looked when he got stepped on by Michael Brantley on the second at bat of the game on the ground ball uh, that where he's trying to cover first and get stepped on on his way to the bag. It, it was a remarkable run. It is the epitome of get hot at the right time. We see it in sports a lot, in pro sports, but to me, I'll always think back, well, remember that 2021 Braves team because they didn't get over 500 until August 6th. But then from August 6th on, there were so many games where they were winning in the last at bat, where they were getting big performances from random places. Yep. And then I, with that and the way they won that division, I'm thinking, okay, the Braves just may be that team. That team comes along in sports every three or four years, in one of the big sports where it doesn't make a lot of sense, but they're just playing the best at the end of the season. And moving on to that Brewer series with the Dodgers, the way they won in walk-off fashion in games one and two in Atlanta, in that L.A. series, it had me believing. And as a Braves fan, quite frankly, there's not a lot of belief when you get to October. But I told you guys in the beginning, this team felt different throughout. They felt like they were not phased by the moment. I tweeted this out, and I thought it. Max Freed looked jittery in that first inning to start the game. He looked more shaky, and I'm not just talking in his face. Like He was moving around a lot more than usual. He is cool, calm, and collected, and there was a lot of weird movement in between pitches, but once he settled down, what a performance from him. It's fun to be a part of one of those teams that does everything clutch the right way. That's what my brother said on the belief thing. My brother's a, a longtime Braves fan too, Chad, and he said, they finally believed in themselves. Like all these Braves teams that he's followed all these years, he felt like they just never believed that they could do it. 
and this team did. That's why Hutton, like, I, I agree with you, a lot of teams are going to reassess and feel like they can go for it. But if you don't have this magical chemistry on top of that go for it feeling, I think some teams will unwisely see this as a model, go for it, and then end up duds. This is lightning in a bottle. Um, I, I, I don't know how many teams, I think a lot of people will go to their owners and say, look, we could do what the Braves did, but I don't think many teams will do what the Braves did. I think it's a very unique circumstance, what a wonderful circumstance for one franchise. But this is, a, you know, it's usually a copycat thing. I'm going to ask JP about this. There are probably qualities you could copycat out of the Braves, but you can't just look at the Braves and say, let's do that. Let's do it like they did it. What about the... What? And here's the beauty of baseball, too, in a number of ways. You look at the Braves roster and what they have coming back. Will they re-sign Freddie Freeman is the big off-season question. I don't know that... Is that when he question? hits that home run that Joe Buck, it's the time for him to say as he's rounding the bases and the Braves are about to win their first World Series since 1995 and the second in the history of their city for him to say, is that the last home run yeah. we'll see from Freddie Freeman in a Braves uniform? Give me a break. Let's, let's talk about that after the game and not as he's rounding the bases with that home run. Um, I mean, it's like he had stored that up. And I like Joe Buck, but I thought that was Joe Buck poorly was, timed. Um, he was calling that game as if it was over in the sixth inning. Yeah, uh, it and, was, and he he was also on the call for the twenty eight to three comeback for the Patriots over the Falcons. And so I'm you thinking, think he would have learned? Well, I'm thinking, is it? Can you really stretch this out for three more innings like this? <laughs> this you know this build up. And well, what's the final call going to be like if you use all these cliches over the final three outs? We are fifteen outs away from an Atlanta. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot of that. After, there was. after they had a, a, a five nothing lead. It was. Well, 13 more outs, and we're going to be celebrating <laughs> the battery tonight. Um, but it, it did. I mean, look, it, I, I never felt. No, I, like I never the thought it was in question. Were in it. You uh, could tell. Like, people the body were sending me of stuff, Houston. and I'm like, well, let's get you know, one yes. more inning. Like, I, wanted to see, I wanted to see Freed get through the sixth, and then I'm thinking, okay, then now I really out. feel good without him falling apart at all. Yeah. But what I mean, you it was, did it was also, fun. the glory of what you did also, Chad, is you effectively ended the Astros. Yep. Correa is not going to be back. He's going to be the most valuable commodity on the free agent market conceivably. I hope it's not my team. I hope it's it not might, Freddie Freeman that's also on be, that free agent market. It might market. be my team. But, uh, but you got yours. Atlanta did not. I mean, uh, Houston did not get theirs. And, um, well, they got one. Well, not last night. Yeah. And they um, didn't they didn't they did like not the Braves. maximize their era. They are, they are very much the Braves of this era. You know, they went to, I think, five World Series, four or five. And one might be three, might be five. Uh, and they lost. They lost to. Uh, you may be right. Five NLCS because they lost to Washington. They lost the Braves. They beat the Dodgers. So yep. yeah, maybe it's three. But either way, this was a Braves in the '90s type. You know, five six year run for them should have gotten more. That may be ending at this point. Um, and yeah, it feels good to be that team to steal one from the dynasty and to go, you know, snag one that's of your no own dynasty. When they only get one, it's, it's no dynasty. Here should have been a dynasty. Here's the I beauty and the say. misery of baseball. The Braves should not be going anywhere. Even if Freddie Freeman were to leave, because they are what they're stacked with what they're getting. Their best player didn't play from July on with Ronald Acuna, with what they have coming back. They should be right there in the hunt for the next four or five years. They may not win the division next year. They may not be in the playoffs next year. This is sort of the beauty of the sport, right? They should be. You know, the Dodgers pay a ton of money for their roster. They're not going anywhere. They'll probably be right back, at least in the NLCS again a year from now. But the Braves are set up well. But to get that one 
It took so long to get that one in the 90s with the buildup to get to that series to beat the Indians and now to have it happen really you know, quickly with this group, with this core, is, is a lot of fun. Hit us up on Twitter, at Outkick360. You can weigh in. I, uh, another thing I, I paid attention to last night, I, I, and I, maybe this would have happened anyway, I felt like there were teams across the country that were jumping on the Braves bandwagon as soon as they won to rub it in Everybody, with Houston. Right? The Nationals, for instance, they congratulated the Braves, and they were like, we know what it's like to celebrate in that visiting dugout. Have fun with this. <laughs> yeah, congrats to the Braves. They're division yeah. rival. Yeah. Yeah, the Braves sort of became America's team last night. Which typically was, they would not be. Yeah, right. and there was a lot of love for... I think this always happens when you have a city that's starved for a championship. But it's not like Atlanta is you know, the top place that nationally people would be talking about star for a title. But there was a lot of Atlanta love. And some of that came from the likes of Dansby Swanson, who yeah, grew Dansby up you know, 20 miles north on. of Atlanta. What a great interview post-game and with him. He talked about Atlanta. He was great. He was really good. Freddie Freeman was good, to too. Game. I thought Freddie Freeman with the um, just – always like when you get someone in that moment that it's so genuine – and how awestruck they are of the moment and just giddy, and they truly don't really know what to say. That was Freddie Freeman when they went to him first, when they're on the field celebrating. And Brian Snicker, I mean, that's 45 years with the Braves organization. He had reached his pinnacle from 2007 to 2013, and a new GM comes in and sends him back to the minors. He's the third base coach of the Braves. He just wanted to be a position coach and stay in the, the majors. So he'd have to ride buses. And then he got sent back to the minors, and he was candid about it. He said, that's the one I wasn't happy about. And I voiced it. Guys like that But he said, I know win. where to go. Guys he said, like I, was, I was completely entrenched in the organization. So I had to do it, and then eventually work his way back to interim manager, and then get the full-time gig. And now he wins a World Series at 66 years old. And we're not going to see many guys like that win World Series anymore, because the guys like that are iced out anymore. It's all kids who run the analytics from upstairs, right? Baseball lifers like that are going to be at best the bench coach who are at the right hand of the young kid, right? Well, it's, it's so cool because yeah. this championship was the perfect mix of new school and old school. Alex Anthopoulos had this model with the Blue Jays to good success, brought it to Atlanta. It was his risk-taking and his lack of fear that got them this at the All-Star break and built this team. And then it's the old school with Brian Snitker and the connection to the past. Hank Aaron was the guy when he was a minor league player that said, you're not going to make it as a player. Let's get you a different gig. Let's keep you in the organization. Let's get you on the coaching path. And saw something in him when Hank Aaron was in charge of the minor league system. And it was Hank Aaron who gave him a shot. And Brian Sticker didn't fight. He said, you're right. I'm probably never going to be a major league player. I'll leave the Braves farm system. And at 21-22, start coaching at that point and worked his way up. 10 different minor league cities along the way. It's, it's a really cool story. And a cool story that his son is on the other side there as a hitting coach who can only be so miserable at having lost it, watching his dad on the other side have the ultimate moment. And his wife is uh, rocking the baby, she said, the entire time she didn't want to watch. So she's rocking the hitting coach for the Astros, baby, who's her grandchild while her husband <laughs> – at 66, is trying to win a World Series the, against, the only, the, against the Sun. I was trying to think of like the, the storyline aspect of, of last night. The only thing that could have been better was that the Braves would have won in Game 5, so you get, you get the home field crowd thing. But 
Think about from a Braves fan standpoint. You have the All-Star Game stripped from you, and you have Manfred present the World Series trophy to your organization. It's just a piece of metal. You have that uh, was that was a very quick. Uh, oh yes, it was introduction. He but was imagine he was that in, in Atlanta. Like. Imagine that in Atlanta. Oh. Um, you have he John, was booed there too. There were a lot of Braves fans in Houston. Well, you, know, you think Astros fans hate him? Of course they do. Um, yeah. They should they, love him. Um, they <laughs> they have uh, Smoltz. The Braves fans have Smoltz on the broadcast with, with so you can look back and and he can talk about Glavin and comparing him to Freed. He stayed pretty. It chill. was excellent. He was. I mean, he's he's very very good on the call. But just having that connection to the past and then tying it in storyline wise was perfect. And then you have you have Dansby Swanson, who's Atlanta born and raised. Like you have all of these little pieces to the city that come through and play in a big moment. And and then you have Freddie Freeman, who you're. I mean, he's he's resigning. He's Mister Brave. Right. I, I don't I don't see him leaving. But I don't he's, know, it just, he's, Snicker, the, he's like, the face of this. Everything this era was of the really really good. I, it, the moment was perfect. It it will be better whenever we have the parade and not the not the Braves championship parade, yeah, but the Chad talking, Withrow, we're not, we're not the Chad Withrow that. parade, which is going to happen around Sixth and Peabody. Uh, pearl necklaces for everyone. <laughs> If we could find a, a like, <laughs> if we could find the bag like I found in New Orleans of the beads, oh yeah, and we could find the bag of pearl necklaces, I would buy that. I'd love everyone. to. I'd love to see Hand that ad out. placed online. And see, see, see who shows up. Yeah, if anyone send me send me the link to buy the bag of pearl necklaces. We're gonna have a parade, and there's gonna be pearl, pearl necklaces handled out. That's for gonna be fun. Yeah, it was just uh, every every patron, every, ladies every fan. or gentlemen. Yes, I mean we can get into all the cool stories. I'm going to save this one, but there's a really cool pitching angle with Max Fried and who was there to watch him in Houston last night, also, and the tie-in. I'm I, I I'd be remiss if I didn't just mention the jealousy factor, uh, Hutton. Since you've become an Orioles fan, yes. you haven't experienced no. this. No. So you, I may you cry don't know when to Hutton's the same a World Series. That, that, know, that's where I get emotional. You don't know to the same degree the what it's will. like to miss out on it as somebody who's been fortunate enough to enjoy it for his team. While I'm appreciative of everything that went down last night, I also hate you for it. Uh, I hate that it's been since 2009 since I've experienced it myself, and I'm jealous as f. Primary complaint coming up in 30 minutes. Paul. When we come back, I understand the that college jealousy. football playoff rankings, the first version announced. We'll take a look at the top four teams and then who was left out of the top four. Uh, we'll get into that. Aaron Rodgers is out this week against the Kansas City Chiefs as the Packers visit Arrowhead. And Henry Ruggs appeared in court today after his DUI uh, that, that caused a death in Vegas. We'll get into that and much more straight ahead on OutKick 360. The only rankings that matter will be the ones that come out on December the 5th. But last night's unveiling of the college football playoff rankings, the first version of them matter for one team in particular. Welcome back, OutKick 360, across the OutKick network. Coming up in an hour, JP and Sibia will join us. We'll continue to recap the Braves World Series victory. Um, Cincinnati is why the college football playoff rankings matter last night. Um because they're not just the first team out. They're the sixth team in the top six. They have Ohio State ahead of them. Uh, the top four, as of right now, your college football playoff would include Georgia taking on Oregon and Alabama and Michigan State battling 
for the chance to go to the national title. Now, here's why they don't matter until December the 5th. Because December the 4th, Alabama and Georgia are going to face off. Right. And Alabama, if they win, will be in because they would have made it hypothetically here to the, to the SEC championship and then won over the number one team in the country. Um, meanwhile, you have Michigan State that controls itself because they, they play number five, Ohio State. And then Oregon, the committee is saying that win over Ohio State is better than anything that Cincinnati has on their unbeaten schedule. Or will have. I mean, but Cincinnati's Oregon has not lost. going up. Yeah, right. Cincinnati's Stanford. not going up. Cincinnati's the best it can be at six because it's, it's next two games uh, aren't going aren't gonna to get it up. People are come down, but the people who beat those teams could go up, right? Well, yes. you can yes. get your way in and hopscotch in. So it, what the it's relatively is meaningless. This Cincinnati, is just a statement about Cincinnati. Cincinnati yeah, the, the, rankings, the rankings last night mattered because the committee is telling Cincinnati they don't matter. Not good enough. I mean, they've said this throughout. I mean, we if we haven't had it this in our face with a team that's second in right. the AP and coaches right. poll to see it, but this has always been a system that's just there for the Power Five. It's it's just a a token bit of gratitude to act like any Group of Five team has a chance to be in the college football playoff. They don't under the current system. Here's if it, what, well, here's if it goes to twelve teams. They'll have a shot, but they do not have a chance. And that's what they're telling us with Cincinnati at six. Well, but the reason why you felt like there was a chance is they're number two in the country in the AP poll, and they beat Notre Dame at at, At Notre Dame, which they tell you to go schedule on the road. Which is not just winning at Notre Dame. Notre Dame had a a four-year, a 26-game home win streak, and Cincinnati went in there and beat them. And it it, it wasn't like a, a fluke victory. And the committee looks at that, and then consider they're weighing the Oregon win earlier in the season against Ohio State. Heaviest. Heavy. And Ohio State, you could argue, is among the top four teams in the country just talent-wise, and and they are. But Alabama's lost to Texas A&M. It's not like Alabama has beaten anybody that you're just – I mean, the country felt like Florida beat Alabama earlier this year, the way the reaction was. My point here is Cincinnati is deserving of being in the top four – today i'm not saying that that's how it should be december the 5th but based on where they are and what they've done to this point against the others in front of them they have reason to be angry they may not have that that same reasoning december the 5th even if they are unbeaten but my point is if you look at who alabama's won against versus who they lost what cincinnati has done to their record and what they've done to this point Oregon losing to Stanford. I mean, there's you can nitpick all you want and still point at Cincinnati and say, you know what, they are deserving of a top four spot well, today. The, what they're saying is Oregon's win at Ohio State combined with a bad loss at Stanford. Where I know they had a bunch of guys out. Uh, their offensive coordinator was out with COVID. I think Joe Moorhead that week also. There's a lot of excuse making about that as well and the circumstances around their loss. But they're saying that combination is still greater than breaking a 26-game winning streak on the road yeah. at Notre Dame. And the Here's the other Indiana. thing they're saying, too. They're putting a lot of stock in Alabama blowing out Ole Miss and Mississippi State because those are teams 16 and 17. Shock three lost people. teams, though, right? Ole Miss is two lost. Mississippi, Mississippi State, State has is three, three. lost. Mississippi State is riding the coattails of A&M, NC State, and Kentucky. Those are three top 25 wins for Mississippi State, even though they're a three-loss team. So they're putting a lot of stock in that for Alabama. Here's the other thing they've done. 
Alabama's still going to be in if they lose to Georgia. I fully expect be. that. They should not Because be. Alabama is, if they get there, they will beat Auburn, who right now is 13th in the rankings, giving them another top 15 win. What they are showing now is, and this is where I think this college football playoff has done almost irreparable harm to the top of college football. They have created such a divide between Alabama, Ohio State. The one area I give them credit Oklahoma. is Oklahoma got hosed in this deal. They are the only 9-0 team in America, eighth. and they are eighth, which speaks to exactly what I said yesterday. They have looked awful at times, even though they are 9-0. They looked awful against Tulane. It's just They looked awful against Kansas. They looked good for a half against Texas, but obviously Texas isn't valued that much right now. They almost lost to a, a Nebraska team that's not going to go to a bowl game. So all of those things combined leads the committee to put Oklahoma at eight. That's the one thing that's different. But what, what we're saying, once again, is, and I hate when we get in this territory, it's not about what you've done, even though they say that. It's about what we think of your team. And I will raise my hand and say, the two best teams in America right now are Georgia and Alabama. They got it right at one and two. But it should not be about what I think and what who has the most talent. It should be about... Here's the body of work. Eliminate the name at the top. Where should these they teams should, be? They should do it blind. The, bl- the blind can't. resume test you see on NCAA March Madness time, yeah. where it's this team or this team. And I don't think they do that. In 2017 and 2018, they said, if UCF's non-conference was just a little bit better, so Cincinnati's is better. In 2018, they made it like Houston would have gotten in, but for their conference stumbles. They beat Oklahoma, right? So by those two standards, Cincinnati has met what they indicated you need to do, and now that's, that's not good enough. Cincinnati in the same conference as Houston. Notre Dame's a better win than 2018 Oklahoma win was. Indiana's better on the road as an additional thing, and that's not good enough. But here's my biggest point, because I feel like what they're saying is Cincinnati won't do as well in the playoff as these other big teams. But – Ubbin at The Athletic points out, without letting in one of these outsiders, group of fives, semifinal games have been dicted, won by 39, 38, 35, 31, 27, 21, and 20 points. So why the hell not let somebody else in and see if they can't do just as well or better? Well, in, in not only that, so, okay, Ohio State, to me, is a fascinating one, at number five ahead of Cincinnati. Let's Let's argue those two. Now, you would see Ohio State and think, well, they're in the Big Ten. They must have great wins. They must have much better wins than Cincinnati. That's why they're ahead of them, right? Ohio State has beaten Minnesota to open the season. They're 20th. Cincinnati owns a win. If you're going top win over top win, Cincinnati won at Notre Dame. Way better. Cincinnati should be ahead of Ohio State. Now, I say that knowing... Ohio State is more talented. Well, they're, they're and has looked better in their wins than Cincinnati. We get a verdict on them in the next two weeks. You can't justify right? putting Oregon in the top four if you have Cincinnati ahead of Ohio State because they are valuing the win over Ohio State to make the case for Oregon. This is where they're picking and choosing. Yes, Oregon beat. We believe Ohio State's one of the two or three best teams Correct. in the country. That's what they're telling. That's you. what they're telling you. So even though they're at five, because Oregon went to Columbus and won. Without Thibodeau, without some of their stars, that is the most impressive win of the season. So we'll put Oregon in front of Ohio State so we avoid the argument of, oh, you're going to put Ohio State in front of Oregon. What they want to do is put Ohio State in there so we get the round robin again of Georgia. One team from the SEC, Alabama, Oklahoma, Ohio State. 
That's what they want to get every year. So let's get it closer to that. So we'll avoid that argument by putting Oregon ahead of Ohio State, considering Oregon won at Ohio State, so people can't throw in our face, how are you going to put a team? Ahead of they both have beat. one loss, but this one won at this one head-to-head. How are you going to put them ahead of them? But then you got Cincinnati sitting there. Again, Ohio State's best win is an opening Thursday night win at Minnesota, who is 20th. That's, yeah, that's their best nothing. win. But the next two weeks tell us everything about Ohio State, right? right? And that's my point. So they, that set them aside to take them out of it. That's where they leapfrog. They get in if they just take care of what's in front of right. them. If they e- win the even, next two weeks, they're in. Right. And, and they should be in. But the same thing goes for Alabama. The same thing goes for Michigan State at three. If they win, if they just take care of what's in front of them, they will be in. And deserve it. In all of this. But Cincinnati can't climb up, and Cincinnati's next two games don't do anything to enhance their resume. Their body of work is in. They win the next two. They're not going up from six. Even if Here's, Ohio State and Michigan State right. don't get their work done, the teams that beat them will come up. Here's to me is the nightmare scenario, which I think will happen. Alabama is going to win out but lose to Georgia in the SEC championship game. Alabama will be 10-2. and two. Tough spot. Ohio State will win out, and by winning out and beating Michigan and Michigan State, they will leapfrog Oregon, who has no good games left. And they're definitely They've in. got no chances at big wins, so they definitely get ahead of them. Ohio State will then go up to three. Michigan State will drop. They probably lose more than one down the stretch, but they're going to lose to Ohio State. Let's say that they drop. Then it's going to come down to Alabama with two losses or a one-loss or no-loss Oklahoma team. Mm-hmm. And I, don't, I think that it's pretty easy if Oklahoma goes on to beat Iowa State and Oklahoma State, they would be there at number four, but it's going to come right down to what it comes down to every year. Is it Alabama or Oklahoma in at four, and then Ohio State will be there at three, and then you're going to or two, and you're going to have the same shuffling of the same programs that you get every year. The only way to fix this is to go to twelve teams. Those four programs that have been to the majority of college football, they're still going to be there, but at least you get a revolving door of eight to twelve. Yeah, where different programs are in the mix. Maybe and you know a top, you're against a top twenty-five if you're is in there. That Chad then the, the America needs to root for two teams in particular, Michigan State and Auburn. They need Auburn to knock off Alabama later this year. Yeah, take the care. Then it makes the championship game that, relevant. That point's moot. And, and if you root for Michigan State, then you're knocking out Ohio State along the way and you get a new team, a fresh team in the college football playoff. I'd go for that. Interesting, too, to look at what the BCS would be today compared to the college football playoff. Any guesses? Just two teams, you're saying? I'm guessing well, it would be... There would be two teams, but I, 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 I took a glance at the top four. Georgia, Georgia, Mich- State. Georgia Michigan State, Alabama, Oklahoma. Paul? I think Ohio State instead of Oklahoma. The top four in the BCS rankings today, and we can go a little bit further on the rankings... Georgia, number one, easily. Cincinnati would be number two. Good. Right now, your national championship would be Georgia and Cincinnati, according to the BCS rankings. Oklahoma, three. And Alabama's fourth. How is it so disparate with the Oklahoma? Oklahoma's eighth in the college football pool. Well, it's, but to be fair to Oklahoma, what we, are, they in the we are making excuses for Oregon, for Ohio State. I agree. For Alabama. I mean, we have uh, the committee's long forgotten about that loss to A and M, and but yet it's Oklahoma who finds a way, and they are ridiculed for how they win, not how they lost. I, they, there's a there's a disconnect there, and you you all you can't just go 
by the letter of the law with this because if you have just a bunch of unbeaten teams, there you know there there could be more than four unbeaten teams at the end of the year in the big then it's conference. My, my point though is you you have to determine okay, when is the time to put a Cincinnati in the top four and allow things to play out down the road instead of just predicting what you think will happen and when the leapfrog occurs. This ranking is not the time to keep Cincinnati out of the top four. This is no. the time Cincinnati to put will in. be let them come exactly. out. Exactly. And, 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 let, and let it play out. I'm not saying that Cincinnati is deserving of a, a spot in the playoff on December the 5th, but on now. November the 3rd, they absolutely are. But by doing this on November the 3rd, you've assured they're out, they're out on December no, 5th. I agree. They cannot Because they've started them at such a low point that all these teams around them that right. have better games left in the schedule – they can easily justify on that committee why they got leapfrogged. Yeah, get, throw them a bone and, and put them in now at up. least. I mean, if you want to make some sort of progress, throw like you're saying, throw them the bone and put them in now. Let them fall out. Oklahoma wins three but games. Oklahoma's definitely in the four, But Paul, right? they don't want to take that Undefeated? chance because if you put them in now, they may have to stay because you've set the precedent if they don't lose. that This gives them the out that even if they continue win- winning and teams in front of them lose, there's going to be teams behind them with better wins that are going to jump them. Oregon, by it's the way, it's all a system to keep them out. In What's the Oregon BCS rankings, according to BCS and, and how they would calculate this, Oregon is ninth. And they don't have anything. Great Oregon is left, ninth, right? I mean, they're playing Pac-12 teams. They don't have anything left that's going to be substantial. I, and either, I only right? bring up BCS. The BCS was flawed, but so is the college football play. The expansion's coming, and a lot of this will take care of itself. But then the debate happens. You know, twelve to or but 13. that's a much lesser debate. Completely agree. And, but and, the other thing is, I don't want to see expansion with buys. Go to a number that gives you equal number of games. I don't want to see six with yeah. buys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Go to 12 or Play eight, but don't go to six. Well, just have a limited number of buys. I don't want any buys. Well, I, got, I don't, I don't care if the top two get a buy or maybe even you know, a top four, the games. but... Just get give more teams a chance. I like your thing. Like if there's eight or twelve, have some first round games on site. And this is because not, your, your fans aren't going to be able to travel to all of these games. I don't know if they're going to allow that. And this is notice. not me whining about That's gonna be tough it. Because so. everybody's going to say, well, you know, if you're another program, just do better. You know, uh, if, if yeah, you're of course. if you're another, if you're Michigan State or uh, not Michigan State, they're a bad example because they're in right now. If you're Iowa or you're Tennessee or you're any other program, then just do better. And be better than those programs. You can't. You can't. I mean, this is a system where it is open market and the top high school players in America can decide between a team that goes to the college football playoff every year and is one of those four or a team that has never been. To break through into that group of four is so difficult. It's nearly impossible. And the playoff era has proven that. The BCS era was better in terms of getting different teams in the mix. Once they went to four, it badly damaged the top of the sport. It's so odd to me because, in my opinion, baseball's overexpanded the playoff field. Football may have just... uh, NFL may have just overexpanded the playoff field. Uh, The only sport that has too few playoff spots, when everybody wants to expand and they know the playoffs are where the money is and what people want to see, is college football... And it's old and stodgy and reluctant to go away from, from stuff that, that's outdated. And we're not asking for a ton, the overexpansion. We just want a couple more games. And they find rationale not to do it. These other sports that absolutely don't need it have forced it down our throats. One game 
playoff for teams that have played 162 games. Yeah, we get that. Uh, the committee's chairman this year, by the way, is Iowa's athletic director, who said uh, when well, asked didn't have about to worry about his team, when asked about Cincinnati, he said, uh, "I think the committee. I would say the committee showed great respect for Cincinnati. Yeah, great respect, Gary Barton." Barta. Barta. Gary Barta and uh, Mike Oresco, who's the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference, um, just completely uh, went off on, on Barta. You know who gets to say if there's great respect? The person whose respect is in, in question. Cincinnati gets to tell us if they're respected or not, right? This, this is the, you don't tell me if you respect well, me. This is I the tell you if you respect me. That's a great quote. These rankings, the more you look at them, they're indefensible. It's clearly a Power Five invitational. He's right. We'll see what happens the rest of the year. Let's hope that something changes in the way this thing is being viewed. That was from the commissioner of the American Athletic Conference. And then Luke Fickle was on his coach's show when these rankings came oh, out. That's and great. He said, gold. he said, who is the committee chairman? Gary Barta? Did he play football? And then he goes into this whole thing about it. And Gary Barta responded and said, first off, yes, I did play football. And he gets this long answer. I know how hard it is to win any football game. And we respected Cincinnati in this process. I mean, it's... The playing football is the wrong place to go. That doesn't have anything to do with it. Watching and, and judging. Is this about watching and judging and being fair? It doesn't have anything to do with having played. But it's just... Like you said, I, the only reason they come up with it early is so that we have a 20-minute segment like this, right? It's relatively pointless. But it, it's, also, it's also good to let the teams know where they stand. Well, and right. Cincinnati yeah. now Cincinnati's knows. got to come to terms with it. It's got a month to come to terms with right. the fact that it's season where it did the best it could. Now, and what now, can Cincinnati letdown, do? If there's a letdown, Paul, everyone's going to say, see, told you. Cincinnati yeah. wasn't what they... But oh, my, yeah, my, point, my point is... It could have nothing to do with the fact they were just told that they're right. not yeah, FBS eligible. Exactly. <laughs> for a time. Exactly. What so can if we Cincinnati lose, you go to a, do? a regular bowl game. Cool. What can Cincinnati do scheduling-wise from here? Well, they're joining the Big 12. That's what they can do. Yeah, that, that's how they'll get in. Go undefeated in the Big 12. But there's, there's What can always, the next Power 5 but it's not school just, do? This is what kills me about everyone. You know, well, you schedule SEC schools. <laughs> the, Who's the, doing it? No one wants to play Cincinnati in the SEC. <laughs> no. So what, what do you do if you're I mean, there's if you're already Cincinnati that that's not going to the Big 12? What do you do? Here's the other problem. What this, do you do? This was a TCU issue. They, when they were in the yes. Mountain West, yep. they were right there in the first college football playoff. They moved to the Big 12. There was a two- or three-year adjustment where they had losing seasons. It's going to happen for Cincinnati. They're going to be a lot worse for a while sucks in the for Big them. 12. It sucks for and them. that's just the natural progression of things. It's not easy for those programs. And I wish people had a little bit more sympathy on Cincinnati is doing everything Cincinnati can do to be in this playoff. And they're screwed. It's hopeless. And they're just constantly just uh, – people just pee all over them, their entire resume, because, well, they didn't play the big boys. Did they, they tell can't. them it's raining? Apparently. Did Gary Barta did. Gary Barta said did. It was, we have great said respect it was Here's that. an umbrella. Coming up, uh, we are ready to complain. Our top grievance of the week, primary complaint next on OutKick 360. J.P. Aaron Sibio will join us in uh, roughly 20 minutes or so. Looking forward to some Braves discussion as they win the World Series last night in Game 6 in Houston. Uh, we'll hit some headlines of the day in 10 minutes here on Outkick 360 from 6th and Peabody, Yeehaw Beer, Old Smoky Moonshine, downtown Nashville. Right now, though, each and every Wednesday, it is time for Primary Complaints. And my primary complaint this week, guys, as we kick things off, I'm... 
you know, watching Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs win ugly on Monday Night Football. And uh, I've complained in the past about these cartoon characters that we see for starting lineups and, um, you know, different uh, Twitter handles and things. But I'm, I'm told the players love it, these, these cartoon animations of themselves. Uh, I, I can't imagine that Patrick Mahomes loves what Bleacher Report Gridiron Twitter account is putting out there. This is Patrick Mahomes animated. Uh, and I did a double take at this no. because they, they after Patrick Mahomes won, uh, won the game on Monday night, the Chiefs win, they put the final score up with this uh, animated version of Patrick Mahomes. And I did a double take because I'm thinking, that surely this is just like some Kansas City fan. And then they put his name down there on his shirt, <laughs> Mahomes. So my primary complaint is if you're going to use a cartoon instead of just a photo of a guy, you know, instead of crediting Getty images, uh, don't choose fat man bod Patrick Mahomes to then point to why Mahomes is leading his team to victory. This is an insult, not a compliment. I can't imagine any player would want it this way. There, there's, no, uh, <laughs> there's no superhuman quality to this cartoon character. That's my primary complaint. Looks like uh, The Rock's dad. <laughs> the, who, what was his name, Reed? The Rock's dad, the wrestler? Rocky Johnson. Rocky Johnson. It's from a certain <laughs> kind of court cartoon, like maybe like Cloudy with Meatballs. Uh, cloudy with Look a at Chance that. of Meatballs. I mean, it's just... But it's not flattering at all. Yeah, it's not good. I guess I'll go. My primary complaint. <laughs> I'm, I'm ready. Um, there's a real problem in this country with people that think that because they're cool with something that everyone is cool with it, including children. And I'm talking about those of you out there who are into grotesque horror <laughs> or being scared. There's, a, there's this misconception that because you like the thrill and it gets the dopamine levels going when you're scared of something, that, well, then everyone must love it, including everyone being, I don't know, six-year-old little girls. Because my daughter is out trick-or-treating with her seven-year-old friend and a bunch of little kids and there is a house in my neighborhood that has this huge animatronic spider on the, on the front doorstep. This spider looks like something created for a Wes Craven set. <laughs> so one of the moms that's in our group, parents are walking around having a good time, kids are there, and we're looking up and we're thinking, surely that thing's not going to jump out at the kids because it is enormous. So the mom says, come on up, kids, it's all right. It's not moving. We watch it for a second. Get up close to the door Kids are right behind the mom. This thing jumps so high, it hits the mom that's going up to the stairs in the shoulder as it jumps up at her as she starts to ring the doorbell. Kids scream, cry, run for the hills, and some what appeared to be college-age girl answers the door with a blank look on her face and just says, oh, weird, I, I didn't know this was going to scare anyone. How? How did you not think this was going to scare anyone? You go into a haunted house in high school, and the one expectation is that you're not touched. <laughs> you could be scared in high school of a haunted house. Just don't touch someone. That's the one rule. You cannot have some sort of animatronic being that jumps up and hits kids and scares the life out of them. My daughter, every day this week, wants to drive by the house to see if the spider is still on the front steps. This is what you have done. Stop making this mistake. It's my primary complaint. David Reed, the fastest complaint in history now. So, tonight I will be having something I prepare freshly at home because I'm a capable adult on a budget, not some out-of-touch celebrity on stupid ads for Uber Eats. 
That's my primary complaint. <laughs> PK, you're up. Big Elton John fan over there. My primary complaint, <laughs> Tammy Torlickson. She ran a marathon lately from Ojai to Ventura. My sister lives in Ojai, California. Look, she was running a personal best. She had to drop a deuce. <laughs> she wasn't stopping. Oh, she mile, dropped it all. Mile 13. <laughs> she relieved herself in her runner's costume, runner's outfit that you see here. She kept going. <laughs> you see, there's nobody next to her. It's not because she's fast, because she smelled. Is she related to Mark Schlereth? <laughs> Is this like betting on the horse that defecates right before the horse race? Were people betting on her when they saw that? <laughs> get like, lighter. I she's respect, lighter now. She's going to be good to go. I respect people with great athletic discipline, but I do think there's a certain line that. I'm trying to imagine just how you pull that off, like how you run at that pace and do that. Like I respect that you don't want to stop, but I can't respect that you go 13 miles with that in your shorts. Outkick 360 rolls on headlines next.